What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. This is a bonus edition of After Putin. To listen to the full episode and also get access to exclusive future episodes and ad-free listening, hit subscribe in the Apple Podcasts app or visit intelligencesquared.com slash membership. Thanks for supporting Intelligence Squared. In this episode, we discuss how power in Russia really works and whether Putin is on the way out. We're joined by journalist and writer Catherine Belton, whose award-winning book Putin's People, How the KGB Took Back Russia and Then Took on the West, explores the rise of the Russian president in the late 1990s. We're also joined by Edward Lucas, national security expert and columnist for The Times, and Shashank Joshi, defence editor for The Economist newspaper. Let's join the conversation now. Some of Russia's highest-ranking generals have not been seen in public since the mutiny by Wagner mercenaries last week. New details about the Wagner Group revolt in Russia. A senior U.S. official tells ABC News the leader of the rebellion, Yevgeny Prigozhin, talked to top Russian military officers and other leaders in Moscow before the mutiny, possibly seeking their help in that uprising. Prigozhin's short-lived mutiny raises some serious questions about the strength of Vladimir Putin's regime, stability in Russia, and the future of its war in Ukraine. Edward, if I can start with you first. Yesterday in the House of Commons, Liz Truss said the UK and its allies need to start preparing for a potential collapse of the Putin regime. Is she right or is this premature? Uh, She's wrong only in that we should have been preparing for this uh, not just months but years ago. I think there's a stunning lack of preparation in not just Britain but many of the countries of the Old West for change in Russia, which could come in many forms. It could be um, a kind of Putin 2.0. It could be a time of political uncertainty with a weak and shifting leadership. It could be a, a wider kind of disorder, what the Russians call smuta or smutnoevremia, a time of troubles. And um, any of these will be uh, different from the problems we have with Putin. Some of, them, some of the issues we have to deal with will be very difficult. Um, there will also be some benefits. And Catherine, after the weekend, there was obviously a number of unanswered questions And in the media, we've been trying to piece together who may have been helping Prigozhin in the mutiny. Now, we've seen unconfirmed reports overnight that General Surovikin may may have been arrested. Do we know any more about who may have been helping Prigozhin and knew about his plans in advance? 
Um, I'm afraid we still don't know. I mean, there are so many questions and most of the questions, of course, revolve around how it was he was able to take over the main command center of the Russian army uh, for the Ukraine war in southern Russia in Rostov and Don. He was able to take it without facing any resistance whatsoever and then uh, send his men like hundreds of miles down the road to Moscow again without facing any resistance. I mean, various uh, pockets of troops were sent to to counter him. I mean, Chechens were sent to Rostov, uh, but they got there and they didn't do anything. And uh, it seems like that people seem to have made a pretense of trying to do things like one fueling station was blown up, uh, one bridge was blown up, but plenty of others were left intact. And the mercenaries were, and it's just, it's really incredible that the mercenaries were allowed to get as, as far as, as far as they did, which really speaks uh, either to local officials being so afraid they were going to get squashed and killed uh, by Wagner's mercenaries or a much deeper conspiracy. And I'm inclined to believe the latter. And, and Shashank, if I come to you, What's your take on this? Is this wishful thinking in the West that the Putin regime's on the way out? He looks to be in a relatively okay position in, you know, uh, quelling the the Ukrainian counteroffensive for now. He seems to have ridden the storm in the last few days. Is this wishful thinking or do you think he's he's still fragile? Oh, he's been fragile, increasingly fragile for a year. Um, and I would urge people to think of this not in terms of imminent collapse, but as a process of decay. And as you know, when things decay, when they ossify, they become more brittle and they may look solid right up until the moment that they fall apart. Uh, and the probability of that has grown steadily over the course of this invasion for various reasons. This is only the latest way in which that has been exposed. Uh, but of course, in an authoritarian regime where uh, the cost of dissent or sticking your neck out is very high um, and people tend to look around to see how others are behaving, the fact that someone has rebelled, I think, punctures the sense of authority and impunity that a dictatorship has. Uh, so it's a very important moment in that regard. You said he has quelled the counteroffensive. I think we, I would say he has uh, managed it so far. Uh, and yes, it is going slowly and it hasn't gone as fast as Ukraine or its allies would like. I think that's fair to say. Uh, it's also important to note that Ukraine has not committed the majority of these brigades that have been armed trained by the West. Uh, they are still in reserve waiting. So I would not reach jump to any conclusion, positive or negative, about the course of this counteroffensive right now. Uh, but I think the most important aspect of this um, rebellion, this mutiny, is that it, it, I think, explodes the idea we perhaps had held that in a long war, the Putin regime could simply wait everyone else out without suffering any kind of political risks of its own over a prolonged period. Edward, you've compared how power works in Russia to The Sopranos. To give us a bit more of a sense of how, how power works in at the very top of Russia. I know, Catherine, you'll have some things to say on this as well, but how does it work in terms of if people were conspiring against Putin, what would they be, what would they be thinking now? One of the features of the Putin system is that it's hollowed out and destroyed Russia's institutions, both political and government. So everything is about personal authority and personal connections. And that places tremendous weight on perception. Uh, if you think the boss is in charge, then your relationship with the boss is more important than your relationship with anyone else. Once you start thinking that the boss has lost it, 
and is maybe for reasons of ill health or because of numerous um, errors, is no longer uh, the force that he was. Then you start thinking about other things. You start thinking about um, who's going to be the next boss, how you make your arrangements in order to be um, well aligned for that. You start thinking about uh, building up alliances or dealing with rivalries with other people. And I see Putin as a kind of giant electromagnet at the heart of the system. And when it's working, everybody's relationship with Putin is more important than with their relationship with anyone else. But once that goes, the system becomes quite unstable. Now, it could be hours, days, weeks or months um, before we see the next big um, crack or big upheaval. Um, but I think the clock is ticking quite fast. And um, in particular, I would say that the next presidential election, um, which is due in the spring of next year, is creating a very unpleasant time constraint um, for the backers of the regime, because it's quite hard to imagine Putin going into that election as a credible candidate who's going to win a thumping victory, even, of course, in Russia's rigged electoral system. So I would not bet um, on the current situation continuing indefinitely. Thanks for listening to this part of After Putin. To hear the full episode and also get access to future episodes and ad-free listening, hit subscribe in the Apple Podcasts app or visit intelligencesquared.com slash membership to sign up today. Thanks again for all your support. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships.